Hello, everybody, and welcome. I was trying to think of where I'm welcoming you to. It's freezing cold here in Dallas. I mean, it's, uh, well, let's see, I was in my office with my little heater, and I looked at my trusty phone, and it said it was 27 degrees just a few minutes ago. And, uh, I mean, for a northern boy, that's really nothing. <laughs> but uh, here in Dallas, it just kind of blows in. I mean, yesterday afternoon, I was standing on the the front glassed uh, porch uh, right by, uh, you know, the entrance from the outside to where the Overflow Peace Chapel is. And it was 68 degrees. And... Um, and I was telling Ruby, hey, I can feel the cool breezes blowing in here now because it there was a norther that was blowing in. And over the next few hours, it was dropping like five or six degrees every hour. And the rain came. And so here in Dallas, it just changes. <laughs> in Texas, it, the, the, the weather just changes. At least, you know, when I was growing up in Pennsylvania, um usually usually the weather fronts would come in from the west or from the northwest and so you had usually uh some advance notice of what was coming and you could see like if if uh a snow front was moving in i mean you could see that it was hitting in ohio and then it would just come to us and you could see these big walls of clouds coming and you could kind of prepare for that you know the weather people give it their best guess and usually they're right um but, but here you just boom it changes from 70 degrees to i think it got down to 20 i think that was the low i think it was 27 or 28 last night so you know i was thinking about where to invite you to you're welcome here um <laughs> but some of you would find it rather cold. I think uh, Teresa would probably have to be wearing four or five prayer blankies if she was in the sanctuary today. Um, but welcome. I trust that everything is going well with each of you. Uh, we are certainly uh, enjoying the presence of the Lord and um, when you have that, I guess you don't really lack for anything, do you? Um, I was in my office with, uh, as I said, my little heater on, and I had the window shades open, so the full sun was blaring in. And uh, I was reading scriptures about the face of God, and I had... Uh, Rick Pino playing on my uh, phone through my little speaker and he was singing about Peniel which is also Peniel I guess that the type setters didn't get that correct that he called the place where he met God face to face Peniel then a few minutes later <laughs> a few verses later it said Peniel excuse me that's another thing. When you turn the heater on for the first time, all the junk and the gunk that was building up in the system blows out. So I don't have a cold. I'm just uh, facing the ramifications of uh, 
powering up the heater for the first time. Um, and, you know, that's always uh, – this is my chit-chat. I miss uh, having Monica here this morning. She, uh, We both felt that it was probably best for her to stay at home and pray, so we welcome her as she's listening. Miss you up here. Uh, she's struggling through some attack against her throat, and we speak health and blessing over her. Excuse me. But this is kind of the chit-chat. I'm chitting and chatting with myself. But, uh, you know, once you know it's going to start getting colder here, my old heating unit in the back office area, I think uh, I think General Pershing used it when he was uh, doing a cavalry charge in uh, France in World War One. He had it in his tent. It's that old. So I've... I've cranked it up on Sunday morning and when uh, when you first crank up that heater after the summer it makes all manner of noise in fact last year it was so bad that I just shut it off and said Ruby you better get the heating guy out here so he came and sure enough when he turned it on it was fine so I remembered that Sunday morning I turned it on and it sounded like uh the car and chitty chitty bang bang I and mean, he was just doing all kinds of stuff so i just turned it off and uh this morning when i turned it on it was fine but he's blowing all this crazy stuff and i thought well i think i'm better off with my little portable heater which is usually what i use but you know it's just rites of passage with the seasons and uh but anyway i was in there listening to rick pino and I was reading these scriptures about the face of God, um, and many others too, you know, about the countenance of the Lord and, you know, Moses' face shining and um, in Revelation, you know, his face is like the sun. And I, I was proclaiming over myself and over all of the saints that that... Uh, that manifestation is coming, and it's here. It's very soon uh, where we are in this world that is becoming darker. We are being asked to reflect the face of our of our Father, and um, I'm I'm very grateful for that. Excuse me. I know the enemy doesn't like it. He's He's trying to come in one way in a number of your lives. But we stand firmly on the behalf of what God has given us to be and to represent and to do. And we believe that whatever God intends is going to occur. And uh, we stand firmly against whatever the enemy would be trying to do. It kind of reminds me of the passage of Scripture that we referenced on Sunday morning where in 2 Corinthians Paul said uh, he went before the Lord three times about a, a buffeting that he was experiencing because of the messenger of en the enemy who was coming against uh, the, the visions and the revelations that he was receiving. And um, God said, um, 
my grace is sufficient and how that when we are on that mission of grace uh, and remember the angel of the Lord encamping around about those that are serving God that's that's a measure of grace um, it is an encampment and the barricade the barrier of grace <clears throat> is uh, is sufficient that's what sufficient means so we have to remain in grace we have to remain in the program in the plan and uh, you know the enemy it, it makes sense I mean if you're moving in grace God is going to give you wisdom and revelation as you proceed forward. Which is why when Paul was speaking about the abundance of revelation that he was receiving, that was indicative of the spirit of wisdom and revelation that is granted as you move forward in grace. And we talked about how over the years uh, the enemy seeks to turn judgment to wormwood. You know, he wants people to take uh, a a wide stride surpassing bypassing not surpassing bypassing grace and and wisdom and so we're in that measure where we want to see the grace of God and understand his wisdom and apply it in the places where God calls us to go that's just pneumaticos well really it's a 101 for us we we need to we need to trust the system of God. We need to trust the ways of God because that's where it is. And um, so it made perfect sense when Paul was talking about all the 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 blessings that he had had with uh, with visions and with revelation, because that's the byproduct of grace. And when he came to the Lord about the attacks that were coming. Um, God said, my grace is surrounding you. You are on a mission of grace. And um, you are partnering with me. And so that's when Paul quickly changed when he was reminded of that. And he said, uh, you know, I, I just then take pleasure in the Astheneas that I'm facing as we advance. Uh, and I, I rejoice because I recognize that grace is going to have its perfect work. And uh, to the glory of his grace, we continually acclaim. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's our mission. And, you know, grace is that partnership with God. And, you know, I, I mentioned as well that this past early Sunday morning, all through the all through the night i was i i re realized that i was sitting at a location that i didn't all i saw was i could hear the voice of the lord speaking about grace and across from me i could see a um a, a man um who was sitting there. He never said anything, but he was sitting there. He had a long white hair, a long flowing white beard, a white robe. And I recognized, I knew that he had to be one of the the great cloud of witnesses, ideally someone who 
um, had partnered with God and grace in the Old Testament, and it was his privilege to be a watcher or a witness concerning what God was saying, because it was a continuation of the plan from the Old Covenant into grace and truth. This guy never said anything. Uh, He wasn't wearing a name tag, so I don't know who he was. I have some, as the old timers would say, I have some suspicions. And um, because right when I I woke up twice, but I knew this was all night, I woke up at 2 and I woke up at 4.30 and the, the same thing was happening. And the second time I woke up, when I saw this guy, um, I was hearing from the Lord about Zechariah 4. So I don't know really what that meant. I don't know whether that was representative of Zerubbabel. I don't know whether it was Joshua. I don't know. I don't know who it was. And it was really not germane to the thing. The main thing was is that God was speaking. And he was speaking about grace the whole night through. And I know that we are in a an amazing transitional moment of grace. God is opening up. He is opening up um, his kingdom in the nations. And we are being sent strategically uh, on behalf of his grace. And um, that's a great honor uh, because, again, we know that the spirit of grace and supplication is one of the seven spirits of God. And we recognize that it is the only one of the biblically denoted um, dimensions of God's of God's ways, who He is, that speaks about um, intercession and in an, a partnership intercession. All of the others speak about the application of how His people will apply His purpose. Uh, direction, uh, prophetic declaration, and dying to self, uh, who you, how you represent as a saint in the power of the Holy Ghost committed to uh, his purpose, where you're having um, an impartation from God in his presence, or when you're in a time of rejoicing and reflection and you're looking forward to the new where well, you, you are receiving, you're, you're looking forward, you're gaining insight, you're applying, you are, uh, you are giving yourself, all of those things, and they're wonderful. But the one that has to do with grace is intercession and partnership. And it's where God makes himself vulnerable to you, um, where you are coming into his presence and that's why it's so. Uh, and, and you're you're speaking with him, and you're you're exchanging with him. You're you're embracing the mission, and you're committing yourself to give everything you are in a very personal way. Um, I uh, I'm so grateful for that understanding, but also realizing how precious that dimension truly is. And of course, then from that, we gain prosuke, we gain uh, tactical insights, which which is somewhat different. How is that different from wisdom and revelation? Well, you know, first of all, you've got to remember that God is one, 
So it's not like the old uh, uh, fallacy that came out of Lakeland a few years ago that God had seven thrones where he's come out of a Politburo of heaven. That's ridiculous. God is one. You know, some people used to struggle over the Trinity. Well, let's see. How can God be Son and Father and breath all at once? See, that just don't make no sense no how. But, you know, we understand that, and we've talked about it in, in regard to how we're built. But, um, you know, the point, though, is is that God is one. And um, so when you emerge from uh, a time of reflection as a partner with God in grace, you have specific lines. Uh, you, you recognize directive. You recognize what it is that you're supposed to accomplish, and you, you have direction. And that's, uh, that's from your, that's from your uh, time of commune and fellowship with God. And it's just like any other thing. I mean, if you, if you know an objective, if you've been given an objective, and you emerge from your commander's tent and you know this is what he wants to do. And he said, this is what I want. Well, then when you're in the midst of the, of the field of operation and there are lots of insights and you're gaining, uh, you're gaining assignment to take this here, to take that here, inside you intrinsically, that line, that prosuke, that prophetic mindset is guiding your assessments of what's being said. It's the lens by which you view even a divine calling. And I feel sorry for people who somehow have abandoned that perspective and then they float out and they think, oh, I'm just going to blow on the winds of the Spirit and I'm going to do this because it's all one Spirit. No, it's not. You're on a mission from God. You know, Moses was with God, and God spoke to him at the right hand. And he came down, and he saw that mess, that second generation of people. I don't know what they called themselves. You know, you had X, Y. These people, uh, the second generation in the wilderness, I don't know what they called themselves, but as Barney Fife would say, they're a mess. They're nuts. He's a nut. And Moses just told him what for. He was going to do what he wanted to do in that moment. And probably he was pretty accurate. But God said, you didn't do what I told you to do at the right hand. So you can be down there at the rock where there's a miracle waiting with the prospect of going into the promised land in front of you. And you have to deal with an unruly people that you've seen before. So you've got experience with it. But you gotta you gotta stay with what God says in that holy place. And you know, I think that you could probably easily say that what is forged in that grace and supplication is the the implementation of agape. Because there God says what it is that He's wanting to do and He's sharing with you as sons, and he's drawing you near, and you are face to face with him. It's where he's communicating his ways. And um, 
That's how Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's how jo- jo- Joseph found grace um, because it was imprinted. And then no matter what happened, that was going to be what your perspective was. And um, that's where agape is imprinted because you feel the breath of God. You feel you feel the um, the mindset of God and he he commissions you um that um this is what he wants to do and that's that's why in the new testament you have now abides faith hope and love but the greatest of these is agape because you can be functioning accurately with what god says at the right hand you can be functioning with that seed of faith with the mission that is really what hope is from his heart but if you don't keep functioning in the passion of what he wants to accomplish what he wants to accomplish you're going to miss it so the greatest of of these is that you remember what you got at that point of grace where you remember what happened when god drew you near in that partnership now you can you know you can play all kinds of pneumaticos meditations on the how's that different than the glory and of god well you know to me um the glory the spirit of glory and of god which is what the enemy and the rainbow crowd and a large portion of methodist churches they they embrace a six color rainbow and they they leave out the 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 indigo blue how is how is what i'm saying in grace differ from what happens there in God. Well, let's again remember that this isn't seven gods. This isn't seven thrones. This is all the same God. And God reserves the right and the privilege to take us into his secret place, into the secret place of thunder, and to just commune with us and know us and love us and um it's it's a time where god just does suddenly and he he expresses his goodness to us and you're not in that place talking about the mission as as wonderful as that can be you're not in that place just shouting and banging a drum or warring you're not in that place uh doing anything other than simply and deeply communing and that's uh, that's what we need we need all of these but um, that's how it's different from grace and supplication I would say that the spirit of glory and of God is where you are you know dare dare I say this um, the positioning of it where you as a saint whether you're going up or going or, or descending on that that circle ladder, uh, if you as a saint are coming triumphantly to that eventual point of the seventh, where your truth and sonship, you're reflecting on what God has done, and you are you are looking forward into the new, God wants to have time with you before you emerge into that place of incredible rejoicing and declaration. 
And you know, if you're if you're going the other way, when you have received a uh, when you've received a directive for the new day, see you got a wheel within the wheel. So you've got both of these going at the same time, which we tried to teach on a number of years ago. Even Pastor Fabian put together this little spinner, and I have that still. I, we have those; they're really neat. But I think it just confused people more than anything else. But nevertheless, it's it's valid. Um, you know, God wants to draw you to Him, and um, I, I think that I think that on the one hand, when you're working and laboring, you like if you're starting a judgment and burning and God says, I'm going to do a thing, and then you come into grace and supplication and you begin to exchange with God, you embrace the burden, and then he gives you insight and revelation and you go forward and you die to self and you are a prophetic voice and you are really emulating. You come into that point where you are demonstrating uh, what he wants to wants to do in... in uh, in restoration, and that's really the the epiphany of of saintliness, and then that's really a victory. And then God wants to embrace you. You have an encounter with Him where He does what He wants, and you're just enjoying your Father. And then you emerge into the truth and sonship, and you're reflecting, and you're saying, "Thank you, Father. Promotion has come. Victory is here." And you look forward into the new. Well, from that point then, you know, that that's application. From that point then, you know, you are you are really entering in in a personal way where you know you're a son and God uh, has given you an insight into a spectrum. In one way, judgment and burning upward is is like the assignment and truth and sonship um coming in the opposite direction and also looking into the new is an overall perspective. So you've got an intrinsic, personal, and you've got an overall perspective. It's a wheel within the wheel. You can see why I put this thing away. It's it's what God does, but don't let it blow a gasket in your spirit. Um, but either way, the spirit of glory and of God is positioned right there because as you've triumphed and you're ready to enter into that that seventh day, you know, the sixth day man was created. This is where God really wants to cherish you, and you cherish him for a job well done. But then when you also are uh, in that sonship and you're ready to go into the new day, there he He wants to meet with you again so that as you go forth to reflect him and as you take on the full armor of uh, the mantle of dying to self— and you emerge into that into that new land, and you you then are there in the new land on behalf of wisdom and revelation, and you are communing with him in grace about how he wants to impact the land and impact the the uh, the region and impact the spirit realm, um, and then you bust into judgment and burning. Uh, it's it's an amazing thing, but both of those are going at the same time. And so, but the beauty of it is that grace and supplication is looking to uh, apply a major strike for the kingdom and also looking for wisdom and direction in that. 
So you've got a personal thing and you've got an, a- an application thing going. Needless to say, God wants us moving in this kind of grace. And um, we are in this kind of grace. We are about to go into a year of wisdom and revelation. But um, I also think that in that year of wisdom and revelation, we're going to see dynamic miracles, dynamic visitations of the power of his uh, his his judgment and his functionality. Oh, what a what a season this is for us! And um, all of these types of things, I was he- just hearing God talk about. And you say, well, how do you know it was God and wasn't an angel? Well, because angels don't angels don't do that. <laughs> They come, they give a message, they may abide for a while, but only only God uh, has a way of, of speaking that is everlasting. It's, it knows no end, it knows no bound. And there were times where I could tell that God was speaking through the voice of the Father. And there were times that I knew that it transitioned into the electric of his of his spirit and ways. And there were times that I knew our Lord was speaking things about uh, how we move forward as a terio representative with him as the breaker. And then there were measures of these glimpses of his ways. And I was really, uh, it was an interesting thing. And the other thing about it was that it wasn't it wasn't such bright light that i couldn't see anything it was more in that where god cloaks himself it was more it was it was it was very personal it was really under the shadow of his wings kind of a thing and and in one other thing you know if you take the seven spirits and you look at grace and you look at glory respectively they're the second step on both progressions and so there's a there's an overlap of that and um but the point is is that god is god is moving and we need to be very respectful of what it is that he's what it is that he's doing because we can't afford to go off in our own ways because you know there's a way that seems right to man but the end is destruction and um i i know that um uh, uh there are a lot of voices there are a lot there are a lot of voices and uh we 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 need to make sure that with this heightened measure of responsibility and assignment that we keep as close as we can to hearing the voice of god I was uh, studying early this morning about uh, Stephen and Acts 6. And I, I read this, and I, I, think that it, um, I think that it really is a, a replay of where we are right now. You know, the Bible says that great grace was upon the church and in the, upon the early church and in the midst of that great grace, 
Acts 6 rolls in, and it's really the first social issue that's brought up, and it was trying to do a number on the church. Acts 6.1 says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Now, we're seeing that now, aren't we? We're, we're gaining people by the score. And not only are they ingesting the meat of the word uh, and growing and taking responsibility, but those who have been serving are being brought into a, a, a deeper or a higher measure of knowing God and uh, measures of, of authority and assignment. And um, in those days of great grace, um, uh, disciples were multiplied. And there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, think about all the dynamics that are here. There arose a murmuring, and, you know, murmuring and bitterness comes against grace. Uh, at a time when disciples are increasing and you're, the church is growing in grace, you've got, you've got Greeks who are complaining against the Hebrews. People that came in, complaining against the people of the land. You know, those poor Grecian people, you know, here they are, they emigrated here, and, you know, they're just being overlooked. And, uh, you know, I, you, you can see parallels. And, um, and again, I have no, I have no issue with immigration I mean, all of us got here from somewhere else. Even the American Indians got here. The native people came from somewhere else. You see them doing DNA testing, and you see that there was undoubtedly a migrating. Somehow God preserved uh, things, but that's another. It's preserved this, this land we're on. But, you know, I am... I am my daughter, oldest daughter, is married to a young man whose heritage is Mexican, and I've got granddaughters that are are have that um, that heritage, and it's a precious heritage. We have brothers and sisters who are in our family from Mexico. I, I you know, we've reached out to the nations of the world. We've sown heavily into Africa, into India into so many other places now i have i have no problem with you know saying that you know we want multi multi nations impacting this country it's just you know become a a major issue you to talk about misogyny you know we've been accused of uh, by many uh, from the outside of having too many women in ministry. You've got women in positions of power. You know, the teams that I travel on now are largely constituted with powerful women. So I have no problem with that. I rejoice in that. I recognize that my capabilities and skill sets absolutely have to have the influence of what God has put in, in mighty women and men. But, 
you know, it's it's just the way it is. So, but see, you can get things stirred up, and the enemy loves to stir this up. So you had you had Grecians coming against the Hebrews about widows. You know, this is you know, if you look at the uh, emotion state, the first the first level would be little children. The second would have to be widows. And so here you have the enemy with this hodgepodge of social concern. And, you know, everybody's in an uproar and everybody has an opinion. And I'm sure there were some who were saying, we've got to show the love of God. You know, well, what's the next verse say? The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, that's pleasing to God, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report. And if you look at that, that's Marturia. They, are, they, are, they have died to the work God has called us to. And full of the Holy Ghost, that's saintly calling, and who are embracing the wisdom of the Lord, what he's asking us to do, whom we may appoint over this business. Well, we will give ourselves continually to prosuke. That's the kind of prayer that goes on in grace. And to the ministry of the Logos. My goodness. Where is that counsel today? You know, we're being told, you know, you can't just teach the word. You know, you can't just pray all the time. You, you know, God commanded you to go out and serve tables. I mean, there's widows out there starving. You know, Peter said, I'm not having any of that. And it, we're, the 12, I'm sure Peter was voicing it. Who knows? It may have been John. I don't know who it was. It says the 12 came. And they said, brothers, we need seven guys who have died to themselves to embrace what God has given us to do. They need to have this saintly calling and they need to be willing to walk in wisdom. They need to be willing to reach outward, not to be, you know, ensconced in their own bubble of feeling good about serving tables. But he says, we're not going to stop prosuke and we're not going to stop the ministry of the word. That's amazing to me because, you know, over these past uh, two years where God has been speaking about prosuke prayer and grace and supplication, the two, three assignments the enemies tried to lodge against the work of the saints. Let's just be honest about it. You know, you're, you're too steeped in prayer. You, 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 you don't, you shouldn't be moving in prosuke. We don't really trust what's being said out of the Logos anyway, because who can trust the Logos? You know, we need to be more socially minded. You, know, this, this, you, might, you could just do overlays onto this passage right here. When great grace was on the church, when God was doing a breakthrough time, and when um, uh, the people of God needed to be continuing in the type of prayer that birthed the church. That's our, that's our mission. Verse 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, in verse 8, it says he was full of faith and power. And you list the other six guys. 
And they set them before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. The number of the disciples continued to multiply greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Notice it does not say anything. Uh, You know, I guess we could add to here. We could say in verse 8. And there were social groups that were formed to make sure that the widows were taken care of from that point. There were those who arranged for protests on behalf of the widows. And there were those who just were so broken up over the plight of the widows that they decided to leave everything else they knew and go after that. No, I don't see that there. There's not an addendum. I bet it's not even in the NIV. <laughs> uh, now, I'm not sure you'd really want to sign up for one of the guys that are full of uh, faith and wisdom or faith and power because you see what happened to Peter next uh, or to Stephen next. Um, but through that, you see, you have a tremendous testimony of. Uh, the Apostle Paul, or who was Saul at that point, witnessing this thing. Stephen, whose face shone as that of an angel, looking up into heaven, seeing the right hand of the throne. And, you know, he's preaching this message. You know, I guess if you're going to go out, you're going out in a blaze of glory. And, um, you know, <laughs> but I was I was looking at this and I was studying it and, and just picking it up and I'm just uh, I'm just ever more committed to us continuing to move in grace praying in prosuke as God gives us directive uh, moving on behalf of the continual mining of the uh, the unfailing riches of the word of God uh, which is alive uh, holding fast to what our mission is as saints moving in wisdom, and um, making ourselves totally committed to this. Uh, honest report, Marturia. Still trying to figure out how they uh, how they translated that as an honest report. I guess it flows better. But the meaning of it is that, um, you know, this is, a, you mean, don't you see, is this just me? Or don't you see the parallels? There, uh, I'm not trying to add to or take away anything from Scripture, even though I did joke about the NIV and adding another verse there. You don't hear anything more about the widows. I guess they all got what they needed. Uh, otherwise, there would have... Uh, I don't know what these seven men did, um, but they. you don't hear anything more about the widows. But the main thing is, is that the disciples were growing in the number and in power you you had uh, the the apostles who were continually seeking this grace partnership praying and the ministry of the word um i i just uh i don't see any other way you can see this unless you uh Unless you chunk this and say it's really not scriptural, and you, uh, it's really not from God, and you know you pull up a couple of other random books that supposedly are uh, 
are of the same time frame, and maybe it says something different. But I really don't care about any of that. This is what the Spirit of the Lord preserved. And um, so I make declaration in this year of grace, because great grace is really upon us. It's what God is teaching us about. It's what is on his heart in these end times. Uh, He is developing disciples. They are multiplying greatly all over the world, and that's going to continue in greater ways. The wisdom of God, which is uh, is going to be increased in this next year, uh, we're all we're at the headwaters where these two rivers come together of grace and wisdom. We're going to see incredible things in this new year, um, and um, we're going to see more disciples. We're going to see people that are hungry for the word and hungry to know how to pray. And uh, in every one of those ventures, you know, there are going to be needs that rise, but um, people are going to be appointed to take care of those needs. And those that are really following God are going to say, look, I'm not going to be, I am not going to be encumbered by this nonsense. Let, let it be, uh, let it be taken care of. But we're going to continually move in grace, and we're going to pray and prosuke before God, and we're going to study the depths of his word, and we're going to see it continue to breathe new things uh, as God has, is teaching us, as he guides us into his truth. And um, I'm, I'm declaring that over all of us. Um, well, this is a wonderful time, but we cannot uh, we cannot abandon what god has commissioned us to be and to do because again this is not something that we're doing off in a corner somewhere that is odd and peculiar and we're just missing it everybody else is doing these things well right here in in chapter 6 of the book of acts everybody else wanted there to be a big hoo-ha about the Greeks and the Hebraic widows. And they were all stirred up about it, and murmuring was flowing everywhere. So if you let the crowd and the hoi polloi determine, uh, and the social needs determine your course of action, you're going to be, of all people, most oppressed. <laughs> and I think one of, there's so many instances of this. You know, Jesus was famous for saying, let the dead bury the dead. Uh, And he also, that whole episode with Lazarus, everybody, everybody wanted him to pick up and skedaddle over to where Lazarus was sick. And Jesus didn't just tarry. He, He waited till everybody shifted from their insistence to paid mourners and Martha really kind of questioning where he'd been and you know uh, and and you no know, wonder Jesus wept sometimes sometimes I feel like weeping <laughs> oh, I know you have too but the beauty of it is the number of the disciples are multiplying and God is pouring out his great grace and we're seeing 
Well, and, and, you know, really, we need the number of disciples to multiply because uh, the harvest is great. This is These are some of the laborers that God is sending in. Uh, we need people to be functioning to, to, uh, uh, to be indigenous voices in the theaters of operation that God is breathing to life. And there are many of them. You know, I was I prayed a lot about this. And honestly, this is the first time I've really been directed to look at Acts 6. It's been in the back of my mind, but I uh, I looked at it this morning. Maybe that means there's breakthrough coming. But you really see at a time where God is said he's raising up Elisha's, and he is doing that, you see this strategy of the world and the enemy to pull off a bunch of um, Elishas to serve tables or to doubt the validity of Scripture or to embrace... There's a whole cadre. and There's, there's another wing of quote-unquote Christianity that is being formed as we as i'm speaking and it's it's embracing a lot of people who think that they're following the command of the lord and it's a shame really but on the other hand you've got i was hearing a, a report and i you know i'm not i'm not trumpeting what kanye west is doing but i did hear some reports maybe some of you did too about about uh, journalists that went to one of his services at his church in in L.A. and they were interviewing young people that came out of it, saying it was transforming that they'd never heard the message of of Jesus. They, you know, they were hearing him, and you know, you think about it. What could Kanye West be doing right now? I mean, he could be. He could be a poster, a poster face for um, any number of uh, causes, and he could rally people. And boy, he he would be the chosen one. But instead, he's speaking about the Lord, and we really need to pray for him because. Um, I, I I don't know a whole lot about him, but we need to pray for him that God will keep him pure and that God will keep him secure. You know, you heard about the, the Christian comedian this past week that was outed for uh, sexual uh, indiscretions, I'll say it that way. And, you know, I... A couple of weeks ago, uh, a baseball player who was well-known in Major League Baseball played for the Rangers, Josh uh, Hamilton. He, When he played here, he would testify about the Lord, and I bless that. I, I bless that. But then he'd go off the rails and do crazy things, which just launched confusion and mocking into... Um, into the media. Well, he did something weird two weeks ago uh, with his teenage daughter uh, and 
there it was all surfacing again. And I feel sorry for him. And there are others I'm not going to mention because I might touch somebody that you really love. But um, we just need to pray for him that God will keep him from um, straying off whatever the pathway God has given him to do. Right now, he's really doing um, a good a good work. And um, but we need to pray that God would keep him and lead him into deeper things because obviously his voice has a measure of uh, uh, of authority and sway among people. We need that today. Gee whiz, I'm I'm astounded at at the vitriol. You know, you don't talk about great grace being upon the church. It is now. Murmuring is arising all over this country. And, I, you know, I appreciate a word that was submitted uh, on one of our most recent First Saturday prayer times. And, you know, I'll just say it. You know, it came from our brother Jim in Florida. And he was speaking about how we as Christians need to be praying for the leadership of our country as is directed in the Scripture and um, regardless of what your political affiliation is, you know, the Bible says you pray for those who have the rule over you. And um, God honors, God always honors authority. Now, you can play games with it and you could say, well, what about Stalin? What about Hitler? What about Ho Chi Minh? What about uh, uh, Mao Zedong? What about you know, what they're doing in China now. You know, how can you pray for uh, these people that are imprisoning millions of dissidents and killing Christians? How can you pray for them? Well, you know, it's kind of strange. Um, God, you can pray. It's kind of like how you bless those that curse. What is bless? Eulogia. You ask for God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through those individuals. And you ask that that God would visit them. You know, like Joseph, Pharaoh, the glory of God presented itself to Pharaoh. Now, he hardened himself in the face of the glory. But God continually, on several occasions that were in Scripture, and we know that that's just a snapshot of what was going on. God was continually manifesting himself to Pharaoh. Um, I uh, had a time of fellowship with uh, a brother in Christ who happens to be my dentist. And he told me about this, uh, this video that he had seen that was produced by a ministry and it was presented by CBN about the move of God that's happening in Iran and how that the underground church is just growing and thriving and a large portion of how this is happening is through powerful women of God where um, in many cases the Lord is appearing to people in dreams and telling them that they're going to be presented with a message about him and they need to listen God is moving in Iran in the midst of the ayatollahs and the uh, the imams. And uh, it's, it's amazing. You don't hear about that on 
CNN. You don't hear about it on MSNBC and dare say even even on the High and Holy Fox. But that's happening. The underground church in China is moving. So you pray for the leader. There's something that's released. You have the choice of being a voice of death or life, cursing or blessing, Ebal and Gerizim. You know, and so we need to be praying in our prosuke for God to accomplish in this country what he has put our president in power to accomplish. And, you know, instead of protesting and griping, and there are other words I could say, see, even today uh, the Supreme Court is deliberating about the DACA program. And there's a way that there can be an equitable resolution of this and to set things in motion that preserve flaws in our system from manifesting again. I don't. We need to be praying for that instead of just ripping the president and saying, oh, he's a racist, he's this and he's that. What good does that do? Do you think that's pleasing to God? Even when Saul was trying to kill David, David had the chance to wipe him out, but he would not do it. And I think things turned out okay, maybe not for Saul, but for David. So, you know, we need to recognize the power we have. And in Acts 6, you have the propensity in the time where great grace was in the church, and it's on us now, to either lose yourself in murmuring and be embroiled in social issues that have no real solution in murmuring, or you can pray for the will of God, and you can stand as a believer and and continually seek prosuke in his word. I'm not, I'm just saying what the scripture says. And so we've, we've got a lot of work to do. You know, I remember the mission that God gave us years ago. And you know what? It's all of us who have embraced it. It's growing. It's developing. It's doing what God said it would do. But a lot of the things that he told us have not yet manifested. They're going to. God has his ways. And and He is he's shown himself strong. I'm not going to abandon that. I'm just not. It's been imprinted in me. You know, I committed myself. I committed my family. I committed my church. I committed uh, all of us to stand, no matter what happened, to obey what God had given us to do. And that's not done. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep trying my best to grow in the Lord and do what he says. How about you? Um, But to see this parallel in Acts 6 is pretty telling. Now, we see people all the time that we can reach out to and minister to. You know, I saw someone the other day and um, was able to pray for them. Um, It was something God put in my path. 
And if God tells us to do something, we'll do it. You know, we we went, and the network participated in this at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of this past year, we went down to the federal courthouse. What was the federal courthouse? You remember this. And we prayed on behalf of the, the innocent children that were being murdered in our country. And we asked God to intervene. That's a social that that's a social thing that God's looking at. It is a major thing. I don't know what angle you're looking at abortion with, but it ain't women's rights. <laughs> it's not. It's about you know. I was there was a a lady that um, I met the other day, and she found out I was a pastor, and she was talking about her daughter who was pregnant that there was an issue with the child and in her womb and you know she was asking for prayer that that little um two two and a half month old fetus would would gain strength in life you want to tell me that's not real and that's not life you want you want to tell me that we shouldn't be concerned about that more than concerned. So anyway, I'm just rambling now. I don't have Monica here to reel me in, but I do see that the time is done. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Um, I uh, will look forward to tomorrow night, Wednesday night live. Um, we hope that many of you can join with us. Uh, oh, hey, did you notice yesterday that an earthquake hit in France, and the epicenter was right in Luke and Sylvie's dining room in Montelimar, just right there. God put his hand down on France and shook the place. They said that uh, it sounded like a really deep roar in the earth, and the house was swaying up and down, and Luke said that he felt that their house was lifted up, and the epicenter of it was in Montelimar. And, um, you know, Monica reminded me that um, when we got back from Brazil, there was an earthquake there. And um, these mean something spiritually. So we continue to declare over France a great move of his spirit. God is good. And we proclaim that goodness. May his face shine upon you uh, wherever you're planted Stay close to God. Give yourself continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. May great grace be upon you, and may you grow as his disciple, and may the Lord add and multiply the disciples into his fields of the kingdom. Amen. Well, I said almost said goodbye earlier, and then I started off with the earthquake talk. I think that's it. So tomorrow night, Wednesday Night Live, uh, if you haven't had a chance to look at the uh, first Saturday report, please do so. And again, kudos, thanks to uh, everyone who labored, Monica, Nancy, Sylvie, anybody else who labored there. Um, okay. Ba-dee-ba-dee-ba-dee-ba-dee-ba. That's all, folks. See you tomorrow night.